Welcome to the Homegirls. Four top producing mega realtors, moms, wives, and friends talking about real estate and real life. Angela, Kristen, Jessica, and Lindsay are in the top 1% of all real estate agents and would be honored to receive your real estate referrals in Colorado. Join us as we drop a new episode every Monday anywhere podcasts are aired, in real life on YouTube, and connect with us every day on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at HomegirlsCO. Thanks for listening. We love you. Hey, everybody. We're the Homegirls. Um, thanks for joining us today. Um, we are going to talk a little bit about what is going on in our crazy market. And uh, Lindsay has some theories about what's kind of been going on in the ups and downs of the market over the years. Um, so without further ado, Lindsay, hit us with some of your knowledge. Okay, so I started obsessing over all this talk in the realtor Facebook groups all day long about overinflation and overinflation and overinflation. And um, first, I started just thinking about the fact that something can't be overinflated if someone's willing to pay that much for it, right? right. And then I started to think about back in my REO days during the recession, how we would, you know, buyers would come to us and they would say, why would I buy right now? Like the market's total shit. And we would always say to them, well, if you buy now and you hang on to your house through this recession, you're going to make an enormous amount of equity when the market rebounds. So I started thinking about the fact that we know statistically that a property in a finger quotes healthy market year should go up 5% in value yearly. And then I started doing the math to see what would have happened if we hadn't had such a strong recession where we lost like 50 to 60% of our equity and our property values. And the interesting thing that I found is that I, from all the scenarios that I've run and Jess and Kristen and everybody, we are like pennies almost to exactly where our values would be right now just with a normal 5% escalation every year for growth and uh, inflation if we hadn't gone into a recession. So I don't think this is overinflation at all. I think that we went nose first into a crazy recession and then we're coming nose first out. So it feels really, really, really aggressive because it's happening so quickly, but I don't think we're overpaying because if we hadn't gone through this recession, you'd be paying this much right now. So we're gonna run some scenarios. So um, I'm gonna do my house. So I haven't lived in my house for 15 years, but the people that purchased my house originally from the builder bought it at $450,000 and the house is 15 years old. So what I'm doing, if you're listening and you wanna run your own math is I'm doing $450,000, which was the original sales price plus 5% because that's how much a house should go up in value every year in normal market conditions. So that's $22,500 that it should gain in equity every year. If I times that by the 15 years that this property has existed, then my market value right now should be 787500 and my neighbor just sold my exact model, not on open space and with none of the upgrading that I've done um, for 790 So it's like within $2,500 of what the value of this property would have been worth had we not gone into recession. And this like blew my mind because I think that the narrative that we're pushing out there right now to everybody is bad is coming, bad is coming, bad is coming. And we're doing it like subconsciously because we're saying we're overinflated. There's too many offers. The prices are too high. Oh my God, it's going up so fast. Like we're pushing out this really fear-based narrative and not even realizing it where I think that if we started to talk about this instead, that goes back to this is just the way that prices have increased over the years. And unfortunately it happened really quickly but this is likely where we should have been priced anyways. I wanted to just back up to what Lindsay was saying. So when her and I had this conversation about this like 5% equity gain thing, I found an article from 2005 that gave a housing prediction over the next 15 years. So the Denver Metro market based on this economist outlook in Denver area, um, his projection was that in 2020, the average sales price in the Denver Metro area, so this is pre-recession, 
was $600,000. In February of this year, our average sales price was 625. I mean, it was almost spot on with exactly kind of what we're saying right now. Um, so I just wanted to throw that out there because I did find an article that kind of backs up. Um, okay. So Jess, let's run, let's run a couple more examples of this just so that we can have people in their own market start thinking about this and maybe start articulating a different, safer, calmer message. So um, Jess hasn't owned her house long enough to have gone through the recession. So let's do your parents' house in Littleton. So what'd they buy it for? 78,000 in 1990. They just, they literally, it's been 31 years this month. So I'm coming up with that they should be worth like 498,900. Yeah, I would list them anywhere between 475 and 500. So, okay. So Kristen, you were doing your grandma's house. Kristen hasn't lived in her house either long enough to have gone through the recession. So Kristen, what did your grandma buy it for? They bought it for 70,000. They built it, their original. And I want to say it was built in 1978. Okay. So that is... Okay, so you tell me what you would list that house for. 230. Okay, so I came up with 225,500. Yeah, that's it. So it's really, really, uh, it's really, really close on. So while she's pulling that up, like I kind of want to, like, does it kind of make you feel better that we yeah. fix this out? Like, I'm not going to lie, like, I have a little bit of a sigh of relief of seeing this. So here's my thought process. And I could be completely wrong. I think that now that we're kind of back to where prices should have been without this deep decline, I do think we're going to start to see a level off. I don't know if it's going to be in the next six to nine months or nine months to 12 months, but I do think that now that we're back to maybe where we should be, I do think it's going to stabilize. That could also just be super wishful thinking right now. <laughs> okay. But so to go back to Kristen, and then I want to address that. No, I think that's the whole point. Like the whole point is you guys, we are like, it's like fear porn that we're pushing out there right now to buyers and to sellers. And it's because we feel it. And, you know, I've always said like a good real estate agent is supposed to be a sponge. They're supposed to absorb all the shit before it gets to the client. But we're so stressed right now that none of us are doing a good job absorbing it. We're just like passing it right along to the client. But I mean, it is it's constant messaging about you're, you're paying more than the house is worth. You're paying, you know, this crazy premium, you're overinflated, you're paying an overinflated price. And everyone's just thinking, okay, well, if something changes, I'm going to be totally screwed. But if you look at it this way, you could reasonably say prices are just at where they should be accounting for normal growth and inflation over the last however many years. And it would have been that we got to this price anyways, had we not gone into a recession. However, we did. And now it's made itself back up really, really quickly. And that's what feels scary. Okay. So Angela bought a house that was 219,000. Well, but you don't know what the original sales price I was. I do. It was 118,500 in 1993. What was it? 118,550. Okay. So we're going to test Angela's house. That house was $118,550 in 1993. That was a rental property that they owned. Um, mm -hmm. So that was that was 28 years ago. So if we take 28 years times a 5% equity gain, that would make... Okay, so I know what that house is worth. Why don't you tell me what you'd list it for? I'd probably list it for just under 400, like between 380 and 400. So I came up with 395, 150. Yep. Ooh. If so that's not blowing really people's minds right now, I don't know what will. Yeah. And I hope that people listen and like send us their math because I think that would be really cool to see um, if this holds water around the country. But I just think this is a a completely different narrative. Because if you can understand that you're helping someone purchase a property for what it should be worth today, that's completely different than going, well, you have to pay X amount of dollars over what it's worth. And you have to pay X amount of dollars above appraisal and la, la, la. It's a, just a completely different 
And I think it helps those people with that mentality of we have to get a good deal when we're buying it, even in this market. So you can show them like, okay, well, if you're getting it for five grand less, that's a really good deal. Um, because, you know, if it's appreciating 5% over the next year, it's going to be worth X amount of dollars next year. So that might help with those folks. Very smart. Um, okay. So to go back to what Jess said about a slowdown or a balancing coming, what do you guys think about that? I think it's going to be a while, but when I say slow down, I mean, we're seeing like three to five offers on a house, not 27 offers on a house. Like I think our perception of slowdown is very different than probably what the general public says. Yeah. Um, that's what I mean when I say slow down and kind of like stabilizing. I, uh, I feel like at this point right now where we sit, I think the government needs to do something to make that slowdown happen. Cause honestly, guys, I don't, as long as these interest rates stay low and these people aren't moving and they're not doing anything, sellers I'm saying. Well, and the answer is not a first time home buyer credit, it's, you know, right. any, but that's always the answer, right? Clout is listening. Please don't do that. Right. Right. <laughs> I, I actually just saw, um, so CNBC just published an article while we're sitting here talking that says the number one search on Google today is when is the housing market going to crash? Um, but I, I don't, here's like, I don't disagree with anyone right now. And that's what's weird for me. Cause I've, I've never not had like a clear opinion on how I feel. I, I don't disagree with Jess. I definitely don't disagree with Kristen that something needs to change, but I also don't see what changes this. Like right. what we are in the midst of right now is a true and true housing shortage. I don't know the exact statistic, but we lost somewhere between 30 and 40% of builders during the crash. They weren't building properties. The builders that stayed in business significantly reduced the number of properties that they were building. We are literally just in a housing shortage. And the problem is it's bottlenecked so fast that the builders cannot and will not keep up. So like, you know, I see all these agents going, well, the builders are going to build more inventory and that's going to be our white horse and that's going to be our savior. They aren't doing it on purpose. They can't control their costs. They're losing hand, money hand over fist and um, they can't control the process and they refuse to put crap houses out there, right? So like they're literally slowing things down on purpose. The builder that I've worked with for seven and a half years, um, they are only allowing each community to sell two homes a month. That's one house per salesperson per month in their community. And if another community can't get their two sold, then they would reallocate another one to a different community, but that's it. So, um, you know, they're, they literally had a training um, it, for their sales meeting the other day with about mental health because they're getting screamed at so much because people are coming in going, we need houses, we need houses. And they're going, sorry, we, we already sold our two for the month. And people are like, what do you mean? You only selling two houses a month. Yeah. They're slowing it down on purpose. So the, the change isn't going to come from builders. It's not going to come from this forbearance inventory. I do think that raising rates will help. Where else could it come from? I think um, one of the only things that might help with this is some kind of a tax break for people that are selling their houses before the two years. Um, that would definitely help um, people want to sell more instead of holding on to it because they don't want to pay the capital gains tax. Yep. Um, but instead we're talking about, and this isn't to get political, instead our, you know, we're, we're talking about like, I don't know if agents read um, and I, I really read broker remarks, let alone a newspaper. I don't think yes. that agents or people in general understand how politics, political policy affects economic conditions, right? But instead, that would be very smart, Angela. But instead, what we're talking about is uh, doubling capital gains and getting rid of 1031 in mm -hmm. 2022. So, yeah, making it harder for investors to buy investments. Yeah, that's smart. And any, so what's going to happen is everyone's going to move their money from the United States to other places. Um, they're gonna be investing in other economies, other housing markets that are not ours. Is that really what we want? I don't think it is, but that's what's gonna happen. That's what always happens. That's why our technology forces in India and the Philippines, I mean, that's exactly what happens when you overtax Americans and American businesses. But 
I just, I don't like, I don't disagree with Jess. Like I keep going, like, how can we not balance? Like this makes zero sense to me. I don't think it's going to be a balance. I think, I mean, we've got so long to go for a balance, right? Like balance market is six months worth of inventory. I think Denver currently has four days or something like wildly inappropriate. And so like, it's going to take us a long time to get there. But like I said, our perception of slowdown is very different than the normal world. In my mind, it's easier to compete with three offers than 25. So I would be happy with a multiple offer situation where it's three people I'm competing against, not every Tom, Dick, and Harry. Do you know what freaks me out? It freaks me out that real estate and real estate agents, I feel like are some of the least educated people um, in their profession on the planet. And look, I'm not saying I'm perfect like I, at all, right? But um, it freaks me out the amount of messaging that's out there that hurts people. Like that's what blows my mind. I've heard agents just here locally in my city telling people what you need to do is sell and then you need to rent until July or August because everything's going to change in July or August and then you'll be able to go out and buy. Uh, the only thing statistically right now that's going to change by July or August is that we're going to be up another 20% and you just lost 20%. So like, I don't get where this comes. Where does this come from? It's people oh, trying to push here? their own agenda and sound intelligent when they're not. We have an agent out here um, that used to work for me um, at my old brokerage, and he is pushing out the narrative a couple years ago that people should stop buying homes three years ago, that they should stop buying houses because the market's going to tank. Are you kidding me right now? Like, where's the accountability for people like that, that are push, pushing that agenda on social media saying, don't buy homes like a couple years ago. Well, if they would have bought their home a couple years ago, they'd be now selling it and PCSing somewhere else with a buttload of money in their pocket. Instead, they're sitting in a rental somewhere. Why, where's the accountability for that? Like, I don't understand that kind of thing. I think there should be more oversight on our industry for people that are not doing their job or pushing out the wrong information. It's I, just, it's crazy to me. Like how, where do these, you know, like Jess and I have been noodling on this a lot together. Like, like, where does this stuff come from? Like, who is the person that invented the idea that the forbearance inventory is going to tank the market? Who, and then everyone else just followed it and shouted it from the rooftops. Who's the very first person who was like, we're going to do an appraisal gap. And then everyone else was like, oh yeah, we're just going to follow that too. Like it's, it's really. Oh, and to that person, go fuck yes. yourself. Okay. Yes. Thank you. I've been wanting to say that for weeks now. Whoever came up with that, screw you. From my heart, screw you. <laughs> I just don't get, like, where did it even come? It changes overnight. Yeah. We go from like a normal okay-ish market to like you need to give blowjobs if you're gonna get an offer accepted. Like I literally don't know what else to say. Like it's so crazy, but I really don't understand how like where I have never seen another industry in my life that is so swayed by opinion. Yeah. Right. If you're a lawyer, the law is the law. There's right, wrong, black and white. You know, if you're a doctor, um, medicine is medicine. And maybe you can try some different things, but like cancer is still cancer and diabetes is still diabetes. Like in real estate, you can harm people very easily by not knowing what you're talking about. And I think the unfortunate thing is we all kind of on some level feel like we don't know what we're talking about right now because it's really weird. Yeah. I mean, there are anomalies in this market that I don't understand. And I mean, we've been agents for a long time and there's shit that we're not seeing. I've never seen this before. I've got clients getting beat out at a million dollars in my market, which is like a lot of money. Mm -hmm. um, and we've got $300,000 over asking price and unlimited appraisal gap. And that's not enough. How do I advise my clients? Like, you know, we're going to get this offer. If we offer this, I can't. No one knows. There's no rules now, right? And that's something I'm really struggling with. And I would say that just about everybody is, right? Like you have these, un, and I hate to put it like this, but I don't know how else to say it. Like you have these really greedy ass sellers right now. Big time. You have these listing agents who are, I'm just going to say it, beyond uneducated in a normal market. They're beyond uneducated. And then you throw this craziness in there. And it's literally like dealing with talking to a two by four who has no idea what the hell is going on. 
And then you're over here trying to be the best agent that you can be and advise your buyers. And I mean, there's times where I literally am like, I don't fucking know, like throw spaghetti noodle at the wall at this point, because these agents act like they have nuclear codes. It's an offer. Don't waste everyone's time. Just say we're at X and you need to do X to even compete and let us make the decision if we want to compete. Like I'm so tired of us acting like we have this super important information. It's a fucking offer. Just tell us what we need to do and we can make the decision if we want to compete or not, especially in a market like this. Yep. I'm just, oh, I'm frustrated. But that, okay, that's like, oh my God, you guys, I was losing my mind. That's exactly what I was just saying. Opinion, opinion, opinion. I do understand that state rules are different. And you're, if you're listening to this and you're not in Colorado, you need to talk with your broker or you need to check your real estate manual, right? Before you do anything. But like, you know, I was watching this thread on lab code agents with like over 500 comments where this brand new baby agent was her very first listing. And she was saying, I'm getting inundated. She happened to be in Colorado, by the way, I'm getting inundated by thousands of phone calls asking where I'm at. Is it okay for me to disclose to other agents what my offers are now here in Colorado? The answer to that question is Absolutely. If you have your client's permission, you may absolutely tell other agents what your offers are. And I have always a listing agreement that you would mark to disclose that. I have always worked that way. Um, And never once in almost 20 years have I ever had a seller say, no, I don't want you to disclose that because how do you get a better offer for your client without saying like, hey, I'm at 450. Well, now they're going to know that they have to be 450. Right. Um, But I mean, you guys, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds. And I can't speak for other states where that might not be allowed, but I can speak for Colorado where there were hundreds of comments from agents going, that's unethical. That's illegal. That's unethical. That's my illegal. opinion. It's not. It's not, my opinion would be in any state, as long as your seller says it's okay and it's in writing, I would think you should be able to do that. It's your seller's house. And some of the states have real wild rules, but like, that's what I'm saying. Like, where did you get that opinion from that that's illegal or unethical? And how are you harming your own clients by not working for them to get a higher offer? Like, it's really crazy to me that we can be so subjective based on the agent. That brings me to my next question, which is where's the accountability for agents that don't know what they're doing that are listing houses and leaving 75 grand? a hundred grand, 200 grand on the table for their sellers. Where's my guess is that's an that? opinion also. Okay. Hang on. Go back to Kristen. Let, let Kristen go. Cause she's been raising her hand and then we're going to go back to Ange. So like, I feel like the real estate industry blew up like the market did. I feel like it's a cool thing to be in real estate now because prices are so high and it's so hot and I can sell your house so quick and I can make lots of money. I think social media and a lot of real estate companies blew that up within the last five to 10 years. I feel like it's been blown up. Before the crash happened, I was, I've been in the real estate industry before that. Yes, Yes, the classes are still the same, but I feel back in the day, you had somebody, a mentor, you had somebody to walk you through it. You had somebody to hold your hand. You had someone to, now there's so many agents and there's so many people getting into this industry. Those brokers and those, those mentors can't even help them. They're just being thrown into the gauntlet. The education hasn't changed. The prices to get into this industry has not changed. And now you get all these people in here. Ooh, you can get your real estate license for $2,000 with this minimal education. Are, they're coming in by the boatloads. And now these brokers can't even, or brokers who don't even care. They're just going and opening up their own little places. And they don't care who they bring on because that's just money under their armpit. It's just money. They don't care to help them. That's exactly what happened with our industry. And that is why our industry is going downhill because of that. So if you're a client, if you're not a real estate agent, you're listening to this because we do sometimes have our clients or people that aren't realtors that listen to the show. You can literally in Colorado right now and same in almost every state in the country, get a real estate license in three weeks for a thousand dollars. And then you can go work for a brokerage and they will give you zero training and zero knowledge. 
your real estate exam teaches you nothing about any of this. It teaches us how to calculate your settlement statement and it teaches us how to calculate your lot square footage, but it teaches you nothing about fiduciary duties or protecting a client. And it's absolutely mind blowing. And then after two years in Colorado, at least, you can then go open your own brokerage where you didn't learn anything from your broker because they didn't exist in the first place. And now you are the broker and you're training other agents to not know anything. And this is how the ship gets out of control super duper fast. Just that's why. And then appraisers, by the way, were invented as a stop check for real estate agents who didn't know how to price properties. Appraisers licensure is way different. Like in Colorado, you have to have a two-year associate's degree. You've got to have 25, is it, I think it's 1,500 now, 2,000, 2,000 hours with another appraiser. So like their licensure is really what a real estate agent's licensure should be. Um, the problem is we're bobbleheads and then they're meant to, to save the public from what we fuck up, essentially, for anyone that doesn't get this. You can get a real estate license on Groupon right now, by the way. Go to Groupon. You can get your real estate exam and get your whole thing for $250. Stop. It's been a thing for years now. I just checked on Groupon. There is one available. Nice. So it doesn't show you what like a joke this industry is. I'm not really sure. Well, I think that's why we have all the people that are like, well, the market's good. We can sell our own house. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, you can, but in a market like this is when you really need a good agent because like I, I listed a house the exact same time another agent listed a house in the exact same neighborhood, same size, same everything. They sold the house for 400. I sold it for 460. Same house. You left $60,000 on the table by choosing the wrong agent. This goes back, and this is what I have talked about for years. You know, I constantly sit down at the table for a listing presentation and it, you know, clients will go like, I don't understand why that one comp is X amount of dollars above the others. And my answer is always because their agent had the balls to ask for the higher price and, and fight for it. Um, why is pricing so subjective? Like, again, remember if you're a lawyer, the law is the law. As an agent, you can totally screw someone out of tens of thousands of dollars worth of inventory, uh, I'm sorry, out of equity, by not knowing how to price your client's property. Now, right now, the market will carry it where it's supposed to go, but not always. Nope. I mean, Go back I, to your question about, you wanted to ask about accountability? There is none. Yeah, I feel like there should be accountability in a market like this. Like if you are an agent that's leaving, you know, 60, 75, 100, $200,000 on the table for your client, where's the accountability for that? Because I think it comes back to like, it's that subjective also. Yes, I, mean, like, yes. where I price a house may not be where you price a house where this exactly. appraiser may not be with this appraiser. Like that's, again, it's subjective. So how do you hold someone accountable for something that's still subjective? Yep, I agree. That's the accountability should come from the public. They should do their due diligence. They should research an agent before they work with them. They should get their sold over list price, you know, ratios. ratios. They should they should get their experience um, and not just be like, I'm going to give it to, you know, crazy uncle Jack. Cause he just got his real, that's really where the, the accountability needs to come from. Because if you have crazy uncle Jack list your house, who do you think is going to be that buyer's agent that's super aggressive? It's going to end up being one of us, right? Do you want us with you or against you? Um, because chances are the agent on the other side of the transaction is going to be crazy aggressive. If they gotten it under contract, um, they've done a hell of a job and throughout the rest of the contract, they will push them around if they have to, um, to get what they, if they, you know, that's, we're working for our client and if our client is the buyer, I'm going to get what I can get, um, out of the seller. And if I know that they don't have a strong agent, I'm probably going to leverage that. Right. But this that's is a job. huge, and we just opened Pandora's fucking box right here, but this is a huge, um, soapbox of mine. And this has been a big soapbox of mine, um, the public doesn't know, you guys. The public doesn't know because agents are trained by, like Kristen said, these brokerages that have really gone from fiduciary to salespeople or fiduciary to marketers. And they very aggressively trained their agents with scripts that make every agent sound like a genius. 
the marketing that's out there makes every agent sound highly successful and the public doesn't know the difference. National Association of- The public doesn't care. The public doesn't respect real estate agents. The public doesn't respect what we do. And that's because their experience with whatever agent they've dealt with in the past has probably been so subpar that none of them believe that we're worth any weight or anything because of exactly all the things that we're talking about. I mean, National Association of Realtors says 78% in 2020 interviewed only one agent to list their property. So they're not interviewing people. I don't know, you know, it's, it's whoever's calling them on their expired or whoever is loudest on social media, you know, you know, like the commission is looking at this really seriously, this whole, I'm the top of this and I'm the top of that. And I'm the, this, and I'm the, that, and you better have the stats to back up whatever you're saying out there right now. Um, the public doesn't know. Like you can literally go to your grocery store and and see six shopping carts that all have the number one realtor in the city. That's not even possible, you guys. Like they don't know who they're hiring. And that's really scary to me. But then like the flip side of that for me is that's so just so everyone outside of Colorado knows the commissioner has decided that this is kind of their focal point for the year is agents lying about their production in our annual update class, right? Like this has been their jam. That's, that's what you pick out of all the fucking problems we have right now. Like that's literally the least of our concerns right now. I just had a friend of mine from an insurance company called me an agent contracted work on her seller's house without the seller's permission. And now the seller has to pay this $13,000 bill that they never agreed to pay or never agreed to in an inspection resolution and their house is now getting leaned and they can't close tomorrow, right? That's a bigger problem than if I lied about my production. But the reason that this is happening is that the real estate commission, they're not on patrol. They're not like police officers who are out there on patrol. They're an incoming call center. So they only receive and investigate things that they are flagged on. Now, the real estate commission's up 90% in the last 18 months on agent to agent complaints. And I know this because I called them for a bunch of statistics that I just put in a class that I'm teaching. But the reason that is happening is the compression. There are so many more agents than there are houses for sale that agents are so angry and so pissed off when they're not winning an offer or they're not winning a listing that they're just going after other agents like crazy. So the, the commission's too busy dealing with so-and-so said they're the number one realtor voted by their mom that they don't have time to deal with actual issues. With actual, we had an agent in my office who lost a listing and he filed a mechanics lien on the seller's house for what his commission <laughs> would have been had they chosen him. And his, um, okay, so like real talk for a second, I looked up what his punishment was. And his punishment was that his license was deactivated for 30 days and he had to complete 10 hours of ongoing training. That's it. Like that to me is like, you're done here. We're not, you are clearly a shitbag who has no business being a real estate agent and shouldn't be licensed. Um, he never did anything with it. Like he never went, he, his license still deactivated, but moral of the story is his punishment, in my opinion, didn't fit the crime. <laughs> But again, this is like, I think this is the difference and the problem we're having in our industry right now. Like if you Google top lawyer in Colorado, it's going to come up based on like actual data, number of cases, one number of whatever, like, you know, reviews or whatever. If you Google top realtor in Colorado, you may get a website that shows you number of reviews or number of transactions or volume you may get whoever spent the most money to show up on that website and who literally got a license yesterday. And that's a problem. If you're more worried, like I look at Jessica and what she just said, like if you're more worried about what your commission is, you don't need to be in this industry. I'm sorry. At the end of the day, do we make good money? Absolutely. But at the end of the day, you're not gonna make that good money if you don't keep your client first and the, and the law. You got to go by the law and you got to go what's in your client's best interest, period. End of story. You don't do that. It's going to show that you're greedy and two, you're going to fail. So you're going to end up getting sued. Something's going to happen. Let's talk about that for a minute. Let's go there for a second. Okay. So let's talk about what we've, okay. 
in my market, and I'm only going to talk for myself right now, if you do not come in with an appraisal gap, limited inspection contingency, which means like either as is or health and safety, and the strongest offer possible, you will not buy a house, correct? But how do we feel about all this stuff and our liability as agents for being sued in the future for not recommending inspections or telling people to pay above appraisal value? I mean, the unfortunate thing is if you want to buy right now, you have to do those things. But I'm there isn't any kind of a disclosure that's been put out by Dora that says your client understands all of these things and they're assuming all of these risks when they are signing the contract. Because isn't that what they're for? We do. We have it. We have it. I mean, we don't. That's what, that's, that's what I'm saying. Like Dora doesn't have it, but your office attorney can draft one. Yeah. That's our, our office attorney did, did one. But is it the job of your office attorney or is it the job of the state that you're a part of in your realtor association? I mean, I know what's going on again, like it's subjective, right? Like the state, we don't, you don't want the state stepping in all the time because it's, you know, big brother watching, but then like you're part of a brokerage who doesn't want to get sued either. So like the brokerage is trying to protect their agents. So I think it's, I think it's both things are real and true. Right. But I think then you have every brokerage trying to protect their agents in a different way. And it's not a cohesive message throughout all of them. So then you have another issue, right? Which is not everybody has the same message which is why the state comes in so far in my city. When I'm seeing right now, I am seeing some agents put in there that they'll waive the inspection or only ask for so much. Um, Eric and I have came to the conclusion that we're, we're not going to do that. We're not going to, that's, I mean, we're, we're straight telling our clients, like, look, you need a home inspection. You need to make sure this is good. You, you need to period. But there's a huge difference between doing a home inspection and agreeing to not ask for items on it and not doing an inspection at all. Right. Right. I would never allow, like, and I, I would never allow, I would never advise a buyer to not right. do an inspection. And then I always tell them to spend the 450 bucks to get a home warranty. Like if we're agreeing to take the house as is, like, I'm not saying home warranties are the greatest thing in the world. Cause they're, well, they're not, but like, it's right. better than absolutely nothing. This, it's just, it's insane to me. Like we're to the point now where we basically just have to like waive everything to get a house. And at what point does it stop? At what point does someone step in and say, Hey guys, whoa, pump the brakes here. What are you guys doing? But then again, it's the market and it's what people want to do. And it's also according to our math that we started this with where the house should be priced anyways. But that brings up Another hot button of mine is, you know, listing agents, strong, experienced listing agents. How are you pricing right now? Because again, these companies trained their agents for decades to say, always list under on purpose in order to generate multiple offers so that you always look like a rock star. We had an agent in our market who's a friend of ours get an ethics complaint from an appraiser because the appraiser straight up said, you are causing duress to buyers that want to offer on this property. And I think it's unethical that you underpriced your property on purpose. It's unethical to your sellers. So like, how are we pricing right now? The crazy thing is if you're looking at a comp that's 30 days old, it it like might not even exist anymore. Your price could be so much higher. So that's where, that's where I'm at. So like, I'm having a hard time as a listing agent pricing properties. I'm not even going to lie. You guys, it frustrates the hell out of me. Same. I will. I, I used to go back six months to a year and I'm going back 30 to 45 days now. It's insane to me. And there's nothing, I can't find anything. And when I do find it, it's like, okay, two months ago, this sold at 240. Well, our market's going up three to $5,000 a month. So do I add that three to $5,000 on, or do I just keep it at the 245 that it's that this house sold for? What do you do? Do you, I don't know. And it's scary. Like we have PTSD. Those of us who have been through recessions or just went through COVID or who have ever been in a buyer's market as a listing agent before, like it is scary. If you don't get that price, right. It's agonizing and well because if you don't get the price right the seller is automatically pissed at you because the house isn't getting all the offers that their neighbor got and so I've always been I've been telling him like we have to nail the price out of the gate like you don't want to be 
crazy high and we obviously don't want to price too low. So I've been telling my sellers, like, we're going to price on the lower side of aggressive. Like whatever that range is, we're going to still price aggressively, but on that lower side. And I haven't been pricing my, I send an amend extend over the morning we list. And that's the day that I'm making the decision. I watched a really interesting thread the other day. It was one of the top teams in the Denver metro area and their team leader. The post was about how he's pricing proper. This was two weeks ago. So March, um, he's still pricing properties based off of November pricing because it's, been such an aggressive uptick that he doesn't believe that these prices are real. So in my mind, I'm thinking about our friend who got this ethics complaint, who priced the property too low, right? You're, that's what he's doing. Like to me, he's leaving all this money on the table and he's going to end up getting himself in trouble. What does that mean? The price isn't real. Like you guys, this needs to stop. Like, I don't give a shit what your opinion is. Yeah. The price is real. The price is what the price is right now. Gas is how much per gallon? I don't know. Substant. And again, not political. The price of gas per gallon right now is substantially higher than it was several months ago. That doesn't fucking mean that's not the price of gas. It just means that the price of gas changed. And at some point in the future, the price of gas will change again and it will go down. But that doesn't mean that you can't fucking, you have to put gas in your car. If you need to drive, you got to put the gas in the car. If you need to live somewhere, you got to buy a house at what the price of the house is. This is crazy to me. And the narrative and the messaging that these agents are putting out to their clients is blowing my mind. How do you emotionally support somebody who's already freaked out about buying or selling in this market when all you're doing is fear porn? Well, the, I would like to know, I don't want to know who this team leader is, but I want to know, like, if he's pricing properties based on November prices, is he disclosing that to his client? Because I would, I would assume, again, this is the public, I'm, I'm not the public, I'm the realtor here. I would assume that if I walk into a listing appointment who's probably interviewing other realtors and I- You're gonna them, lose. Yeah, I'm gonna tell them that I'm gonna list their property, what it was worth in November. They're probably gonna look at me like, screw you. Well, but that was one of the conversations I had with the agent that Lindsay and I know who had this ethics complaint. And I had said to him, I was like, you know, two parts to this, right? Like, even if Dora does go through and and and, re- and do an audit of your file on this particular listing with this commission complaint, because it was a commission complaint and an ethics complaint that he received from this appraiser. One, if you per- if you price the property low, then you have to address that in your listing agreement, period yeah. of discussion. Number two, if like you truly believe, or if the seller's in duress, because let's be honest, that is also a possibility right now. What if the seller lost their job recently? What if their forbearance is due and they're not going into short sale because they have the equity in order to go ahead and sell? Maybe there's a duress reason why this property was priced the way that it was. So it comes back to documentation. He should document that in the listing agreement. So that way, if these complaints can you know continue to happen, and I do believe this is going to continue. And Lindsay and I have talked about this. It's almost paralyzing. Like, I feel like everything I do right now could get me a commission complaint. Mm -hmm. Um, Here in Colorado, we used to have a spot on our contracts where the seller could initial and reject your offer so that you knew as the buyer's agent that that seller saw your offer. They took that away. It's like the stupidest thing I've ever seen. I've gone back to adding the initials onto our contracts and having my sellers initial every single contract because agents are pissed. They do accuse you of not showing their offer. They do accuse you of those things. So I'm trying to figure out every way that I can to document and protect and honestly protect myself. And that's the truth. Like be it right or be it wrong. I have to protect myself and my livelihood as well. And like back in the day, I mean, you know, when they used to like the accepted or rejected the offer type of thing, they don't have mm-hmm. that anymore. So like I'm dotting my I's and crossing my T's as soon as this is crazy. But as soon as an offer comes in, I respond back, received, thank you on all of the offers that I get. And then when we go under contract, I send an email and a text out to every single one of those agents, letting them know, I'm sorry, you got beat out, yada, yada. There's agents that don't. And it's like, come on, like let me know here. I got to know this. Did you present? I start questioning that. Did you present my offer? Did you do it correctly? Like it just, and the lack of education in this, in this industry, when I'm presenting an offer to someone who I know is not in touch with the market, it scares the shit out of me for my buyer. 
because I don't know if they're understanding the additional provisions that I'm putting in that contract. So now I'm having to actually write it in the body of the email. Hey, so-and-so, here's my, here's my buyer's offer. Just so you know, this is what we added to the contract. Please let me know you received this. Crickets, don't hear anything. Nothing. So this is, there was another thread going around about this too, where one of my friends, and again, this is the first time in my whole life I can be like, all sides are right. Um, you know, one of my good friends was like, I'm sick to death of hearing, not hearing when I submit an offer. I don't, I don't hear crickets. I don't hear received. I don't even hear that the house is under contract, but I then see it pending the next day. Absolutely unacceptable. However, I can understand again, if you're an inexperienced agent, why this is happening, because even as an experienced agent, this kills me, right? It's like, if I get 10 offers on a property, I make 10 little relationships with all 10 of those agents. And I'm talking to them all weekend long. And they're literally telling me these stories about their buyers that are making me cry. And I bond with all 10 of them. And then I have to tell nine of them that they didn't get the house and it sucks. And I get anxiety. Like I'm not joking, like sick to my stomach, shaky. I do not want to make these calls anxiety. And I've been in this business 20 years. If you're a brand new agent, I can understand why you don't want to make those phone calls and why you don't want to deal with it because it's extremely emotional, but you got to deal with it. This will not last forever. People will remember your name. And when the market flips, you're going to be screwed if you don't act like a human being. I just, I don't know. I think the relationship between agents is huge. I know that when I submit an offer on a property that I love dealing with the agent, I know that I'm going to get treated well, regardless if we get the contract or not. You know, I know she's good. I know these people are going to look at my contracts fully. I know they're going to, you know what I mean? It's just, I wish I didn't have to say that. I wish I didn't have to say, you know, to the person that I submitted an offer to that. I don't think you're going to look at my offer and you're going to understand it. Mm-hmm. I just wish there was more education for the public on this. And I made a post about this and I was real careful in my post to say, this isn't against new agents because I've made a career for 15, I've trained agents for 15 years, Uh, you know, brand new agents. Like it's, it's nothing against new agents. I just think that the public should really truly understand who is representing them when they choose somebody. And I think that would lead to less resentment and more value in a realtor. Well, and not even just new agents. How many people do we all know that have, like there is a very big difference between having a license and working. We all know a ton of agents who have their license. They are not working. And you have to have an agent who is active in this market every day in fucking trenches because it's changing every second of every day with tons and tons of lawsuits happening and tons and tons of nuances. And if you're not in this, this is not the time to try to be in it either, right? Like this sucks right now. And I'll be the first person to say it. I can't get my buyers under contract. I've gone on 11 listing appointments in the last six weeks. I haven't gotten a single one of them. Everyone's reducing their commission to fucking peanuts in a market like this, where you're going to end up in, in big trouble with lawsuits. And then you have some Yahoo who you just picked because he's cheap mm-hmm. and end up in trouble too. I mean, Guys, look at how emotional we are right now. Like yeah. just, I can see tears in her eyes and I can feel it. I have, you know, my, I have the shivers right now. Like I'm getting super emotional and teary eyed talking about this. This is serious shit. This but is the not- serious thing that's happened in our industry in the last 15 years. But I want to be very clear. Like it's not about the money, right? Like it's about the fact that I know, like I, like I, while we've been talking, the agent that I brought up that signed this um, contract for the roofer, that's absolutely what happened. The roofing company just sent over a copy of the contract and the elderly sellers who are in a nursing home never signed this contract and they need every single penny of the money from the equity of their house, they're losing $23,000 because this agent signed a document for them and they're held to it because it's their property, right? That's what I'm emotional about. That's what I'm upset about. I'm I'm tired of the general public being put at risk and thinking that the cheapest person is the right person for the job. Like this, 
hurts my soul to hear about stuff like this because I know I would have protected them. I just think that this is, I was teaching the other day and I said this to the group and they were all younger agents. Like, I don't think that you guys realize what's happening right now. This is the biggest shift in so many ways real estate has seen in a very, very long time. There are so many things coming to a head right now that have been festering for a long time in this industry. Our messaging has been wrong to people for a very long time. What our value is to people has been wrong for a very long time. We've communicated that we're salespeople, which has made the public doubt our value for a very long, like everything now needs to change in this business. But I, you know, everybody's just so like head down and focused on just getting deals done right now that they're not even thinking about this, but the amount of liability that's on the table right now is enormous. And that's what should be communicated to clients more than I can sell your house for $5,000 more than the other guy. Cause everyone can do that right now. Everyone, even can sellers just, on their own. Can we stop with the memes? Can we stop with the markets on fire? Can we stop with musical chairs is like this, whatever that meme was that was going around. Stop telling everybody you sold a house for 50,000 over. You're not, you're not cool. Like talk about your buyer. You got under contract at list price. Like that's some shit to brag about right now. I think that the messaging right now should be, you know, not like I sold this house for $5,000 more because everyone's doing that right now. But like Kristen should be talking about what she went through with the lawsuit, protecting her buyers, like to the bloody end. And Jess should be talking about this situation in which she knows she would have protected these elderly clients from losing $27,000. And I need to be talking about, you know, my clients that are having to take a contractor to court right now over repairs on their property. Like we are so much more than salespeople. And I do believe that the absence of value comes from the fact that you don't even need to be a salesperson to sell a house right now. You don't need to be a salesperson. You don't need to be a marketer. So what else are you for your clients? And that should be your messaging. That's what's going to differentiate you right now. Yeah. This market blows my mind. And I will just say you get what you pay for. Mm -hmm. If you want the cheap and the best, those two things are not mutually exclusive. But again, though, like the core of the messaging what is it that you're paying for? Because right now anybody can deliver a very quick sale with multiple offers. So what is it besides just sales price that you're providing value to your clients with? And that's what I think, I think we all need to go deeper in our messaging right now. It's experience. Like I don't even, I'm, I'm, as we're sitting here, we're talking about this. I'm like, what can we put out there right now? If you're in the market to sell your house or you're in the market to buy a house, what questions do you need to ask the realtor when you're interviewing them? Because you need to, you need to interview your agent. What questions do you need to be asking right now to find a good realtor? What questions do you think the consumer needs to be asking? And I'm just, I'm trying to, to think like, the first question was how many transactions have you done in the last three months? Well, that's great. In my market, it's a lot. We do a lot of transactions. Well, when you start going up to Denver area, you know, a lot of transactions don't really mean a lot. I feel like Eric and I are very in touch with our market. I know what's going on daily. I know what's going on three months ago. I could probably predict on what's going to happen three months from now. You know, I know, I know who's got what, I know who's a good agent. I know who's awesome to work with. I know how to, you know, but how does the consumer ask that question? Like what questions do they ask? So one of the biggest pitfalls I see, and we talk about this all the time is agents going to markets. They don't live in, work in, play in, exist in, right? Because they're chasing back to your commission comment. In this type of market, I truly believe that you are detrimental to the client, whether you're on the buy side or you're on the list side. If we were in a buyer's market, go wherever you want, show a million houses, do whatever you gotta do. This is not the market to not be an expert in. And I've even had to humble myself enough to say like, I'm down here in the South Metro area the North metro area is completely different than my market, even though we're in the same metro area. I see agents in Denver going to Kristen's market all the time, which is an hour and a half to two hours south, a completely different MLS, a completely different board, a completely different weather pattern, honestly. <laughs> like everything is different. And all I can think is 
what a disservice they're doing for that client. They need to have an agent locally who can jump in the car and fly to that showing. And they don't have to sit here and go, well, you have to wait two hours for me to find a sitter and get through traffic and get down there. Like, that's not fair. And if you're doing that right now, I would encourage you to really reevaluate where you're at. So I have to say something. Literally, we just gained a client who was using a Colorado Springs agent. He called us up less than two weeks ago, maybe three weeks ago, and said, hey, I just Googled. I found you guys. I've been working with so-and-so out of the Springs, and I'm starting to get the feeling that I need to be working with a local Pueblo agent. Um, And Eric goes, well, why do you think that? What's going on? And he said, you know, I've been working with this realtor, this team for eight months now. I'm willing to do appraisal gap. I'm willing to pay my own closing costs. I'm willing to go up. I'm willing to, I'm willing to do all this stuff. And he goes, I can't win. I've lost out on so many beautiful homes. And he's at a good price point, guys. He's not in a bad price point. He's good. Um, we've worked with him for two weeks and we finally got him under contract four days ago. Like literally your local agent matters. I'm going to go with, and it's going to be different in different states. It's going to be in different, different areas, but Colorado, like if you're buying in Denver, you stay in Denver. If you're buying in Springs, you stay in Springs. You're buying in Pueblo, you're staying in Pueblo. That's three different MLSs. That's a good 45 to two hour difference between the cities. If you're going to have an agent in the Springs, try and sell you a house in Pueblo or even Denver, that's an hour drive in this hot market. You don't have an hour. You don't have an hour. You have two minutes to go look at the house. And I'm going to say something super controversial. Okay. If your mindset isn't right, you need to not be working that business. Mm -hmm. If, and this is true for myself, it's a huge realization I've had. If you do not feel that you can service buyers adequately right now, then you need to refer the buyers to somebody who will. If you can't be a shark, you need to send them to a shark. If you don't have the time, you need to send them to someone who has the time. If you're uncomfortable with having very difficult conversations about what it's going to take to win, you need to send them to somebody who can have those conversations because this is not a market to play around in. It used to be like, I just knew if I showed them enough houses, I'd get them one. Yeah. Not no more. Not no more. And if my mindset isn't right, it deeply affects my clients and their goals. If you don't feel comfortable selling their property, you shouldn't be doing it. You should be referring it to somebody else. And that right there is putting the client first. If your mindset is to give up that client first, you're going to make it in this business because you know, deep down in your heart and your talent that you can't fully service that client. So what are you doing? You're being a business person. You're being a badass realtor and you're putting the money last and you're putting your client first. You just can't do it right now. For me, I referred out a luxury condo listing last year. That was an $800,000 listing. I took it couldn't deal with the client. So I made the decision to refer him out. The house closes on Friday, finally. (laughs) Thank God. Um, And I've referred out six buyers in the last couple of weeks because I am not in a place where I can adequately help them. There is nothing wrong with saying that. And there is nothing wrong with telling somebody, I cannot take care of you the way that you deserve to be taken care of right now because of the way the market is. I feel better knowing that I did the right thing and sending them to an agent who's in their area, in their market, and who's going to work their ass off for them while I focus on my clients down here in my market where I can focus on them. There's nothing wrong with it. Exactly. It's just not helping anyone to do that right now. Mm -hmm. If you can't get your mindset, and this is serious shit, you guys, like agents have fatigue agents are exhausted agents are emotional agents are scared i'm talking to agents who close hundreds of units a year and have for 20 years who didn't have a closing in the first quarter this is serious shit for everyone it's not just new agents it's experienced agents but like i said i think that everyone needs to take a five minute pause and breathe and look at what has changed in the last six months and revisit your plan and your strategy and your mindset because 
this is a different playing field than it was in January. So I kind of came up with an idea. So I got into the real estate business back in 2003, 2004, when I was still in high school, I was a receptionist. And I remember then the realtors were like, oh, if you're going to get in this business, you have to have six months to a year worth of money saved. It kind of makes me wonder, what is it like now? Uh, At least a year. And we've talked about this on our show before. Like I very candidly was like, raise your hand if you actually have six months to a year in savings. Um, I know Jess and I have said many times to each other, like, thank God we all had a reasonably good year last year because it affords us the opportunity to get through this squish that's happening right now. Um, But I do think that if you don't have money in savings, you're in trouble. Mm-hmm. Yep. Do you see how red my face is talking about all this? I'm like, <laughs> like emotional about it. No, me too. What about the people that are saying like a crash is coming? Like, what about those people? Um, you know, the agents that are pushing that narrative. I don't think a crash is coming. Like, this, is, this is where, this is where it like irks me that there's actually people in our industry that say this. Like not I'm actually, not, I would yeah. say 99% of people in our industry right now. Like guys, come on. We're, we're, this is our business. We should know our numbers. We should see what's going on. Like, you know, that if a crash happens, jobs need to be lost. Now I will say this before COVID, when COVID hit, I would say I was there. I'm like, oh my God, everybody's going to lose their job. The market's going to fall, but people didn't technically lose their jobs. So we're not going to crash. And there's no fake loans like there was before the crash. There were bad loans. There were fake loans. There was fraud going on. There was awful things going on along with people losing their jobs. That's what caused the crash. Even with people saying that, oh, there's going to be a crash with the student loans. There's going to be a crash with this. Well, but there isn't though, because those people aren't losing their jobs. It's when people start losing their jobs, it's the ripple effect of that. And I'm also really sick of hearing about this forbearance inventory that's out there. Like I, we have been hearing about a shadow inventory since the original crash, which was this flood of thousands and tens of thousands of houses that we're going into foreclosure and we're going to come back out and ruin the market even worse. Like if you run the numbers on the number of people that they estimate are in forbearance right now, it wouldn't even balance the market, the number of homes that would come back out. And here's the deal about forbearance. How many people went on forbearance just because they could? not because they're actually about to lose their property, right? And how many people will be able to make it right? But even if every single one of those homes were to foreclose today, it wouldn't balance the market into a buyer's market. And that's a fact. And I'm sick of hearing about it. Well, one of the questions I always, I've been coming back to lately, and you know this, is where the hell is all this money coming from? Like, where are all these where's all this cash coming from that people can bridge these massive appraisal gaps so i was talking to another real estate friend of mine you want to know what she told me Hmm. her buyers all took out ppp loans and they're using that money it's liquid cash to be able to go and buy houses now mind blown because all of a sudden right guys like i almost think she might be right on this because all of a sudden everybody has money. No one's pulling shit from their 401k. No one's has, you know, money stuffed under their mattress. It's the PPP loans. I didn't even think about that. I guess that I thought that most people, I didn't even think about that. I thought that most people were like, okay, I have whatever 60 grand for my down payment. I'm going to do 40 down and 20 towards appraisal gap. But I also think that that this is really dangerous too, because I think that we are, we should be educating buyers on what an appraisal gap means, but I still think that all the buyers are not really thinking that they're going to have to kick in that money. So I think that they're being way more cavalier than they should be. Can someone Google really fast? I would love to get this on record on the show. Can someone Google really fast the number of realtors, I don't care, Denver Metro or state of Colorado? 
Okay, so April 13th, 2021, we are saying there are just how many realtors in Denver Metro? When I called the MLS, there were a little over 27,000 that were um, in our MLS. And Kristen is saying 391 in the Pueblo MLS. So I just want to leave that there on record because I'm really interested to see when we get to April 13th, 2022, what this looks like. Because to answer Kristen's question, I'm scared. I'm scared for people that don't have money in savings and can't ride this out. This is the biggest compression I have ever. If this seen. keeps if this keeps going, like I think it's going to keep going at least the next two years. That's how I feel it's going to happen. Same. We're going to see a we're going to see a downturn in agents that aren't going to be able to sustain their financials and they're going to quit. Yeah, and I think it's going to be. I think again. I think this you know, rising tide raises all boats. I think this changes everything. I think that we see a lot of agents who are on the fence about retiring leave because of this. I think we see, I don't think that we see a downturn in new license applications because I think that as long as the messaging is that being a realtor is easy right now because the market is good, that won't change. But I do think we'll see significant fallout in number of licensed agents. And I also think, by the way, if you listen to this show and you run a team, this is probably your biggest opportunity in the history of real estate to pick up phenomenal talent right now because you have younger agents who have what it takes who cannot survive without the team structure and help right now. So I think you should be hiring like crazy right now if you have a team. I think that was a good talk. We hope you loved our show today. If you enjoyed it, do the homegirls a favor and leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you listen. Share this episode with all of your homegirls and friends and find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at homegirlsco.